Hi, I'm Tom Payne, and you are listening to Pod Clubhouse. Pod Clubhouse. Welcome to another edition of Love It or Leave It from Pod Clubhouse. This is Paul here with Danny from the It's a Musical podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. We haven't actually spoken before, but given our our mutual appreciation for today's subject, uh, I think we'd get along just fine. Oh, definitely. I've actually been re-watching everything in in anticipation of this because it's one of my regular viewings and I was due a good catch-up. We are talking about what, at this point, is, a, I guess, maybe a semi-classic. It's not quite old enough to be classic. At least I don't gauge my personal age that way. <laughs> so, so that things only in the 15 to 28-year age range are considered classics. But this is the IT crowd from, uh, was it the BBC? I don't under, I don't quite get how shows are made over there. Is it, are they all BBC or... <laughs> No, this one was a Channel 4 one. So we've got uh, five main channels in the UK for kind of your terrestrial. If you don't want to go and get a subscription or a satellite dish, everyone has access to BBC One and Two, uh, ITV, Channel 4 and Channel 5. And Channel 4 is, I think, the most alternative. So obviously your BBC is very consumer heavy. The BBC is paid for by um, a TV license in the UK. So there's no adverts, but everyone in the UK pays for the BBC. Uh, If you have a TV, you have to pay this license fee. Channel 4 is far more alternative. So whereas BBC One on Christmas Day will have the Queen's Speech Channel 4 will have the alternative. And a few years ago, it was done by Homer Simpson, I think. So it's it's <laughs> prides itself on being a alternative and edgier thing for uh, English viewers. If I, if I am <laughs> ever in the UK, I'd probably just turn straight to Channel 4 then. <laughs> oh, there's so many good shows, you know. Obviously, like BBC does fantastic shows. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Channel 4, though, just has, I think, comedy down to a T, you know, from The Inbetweeners, I don't know if that's one you're familiar with, to uh, Friday Night Dinner, but IT Crowd, I think, is one of, like, the crown jewels of, like, Channel 4 comedy. See, for an American audience, when they go and check out something like the IT Crowd, and they see that it has, um, how many seasons is it? five seasons but really that fifth season is just like one episode yeah and and then the the seasons themselves are what we would consider short you know six episodes a piece or so we wonder why something so good would be so short but as i understand it that's just how it works in in uh english television it is funny because some of the better products that come out from the uk you know, if you think about comedy as well, The Office, Extras by Ricky Gervais, they are six or eight episodes a piece. And you compare it to The American Office, where you have 24 episodes a series, 
it is very, very different. And I don't know where it's come from. Perhaps it's the money involved. Perhaps there's much more money in a, in American media than there is in the British media, but it is interesting. Well, we're starting to come around um, in general. Uh, maybe it's the actors like, or maybe it's the entire creative uh, staff. Some of them enjoy being involved with something for most of a year, whereas others like to move from one yeah. project to the next. Well, this is it, don't they? In you know America, you have the kind of off-season where TV shows stop being filmed. It gives the actors a chance to go and film any film projects that they've got in the pipeline. And you've got that gap. And, you know, it's why, you know, Steve Carell would leave the office because eventually his film career was, you know, much more engaging for him than the office. Like you say, you're coming around with, with you know, just look at Disney Plus, shorter formed Marvel TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, the quality over the quantity. The premise of the IT crowd for the uninitiated is that we follow the misadventures of Renum Industries, a, a, a fictional, I hope, company. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and their IT um, staff, which is most of the time uh, Roy and, and Maurice Moss. They, the first episode features... Um, the addition of Jen Barber, who is supposed to be their supervisor. Yeah. Um, there are other characters kind of come and go. Uh, the, the people that run the company change from first season to the ensuing seasons with the addition of Matt Berry coming to the, to the cast who I think is hilarious. Matt Berry is just incredible in this show. Uh, and he, he's got like a really iconic voice. You, you hear his voice on the radio uh, in the UK in a lot of adverts. He's just got that recognisable voice that you know exactly who it is. Other than that, it's a, it's a relatively small cast. Given when this took place in these, in these folks' careers, if you kind of chart, you know, what they've done since then and what, what they did before. I don't know if the IT crowd was exactly their springboard into greater, better things, but I, I think at least for um, Chris O'Dowd, who plays Raw, or sorry, who plays Roy and Richard Ayoade, who plays more Moss, I think it worked great. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is one of those shows that like, there is a lot of goodwill to the cast that, You know, for me, when I see Thor The Dark World and I see Chris O'Dowd, I feel really proud because I've watched him where he started with like a really humble origins in the IT crowd. And I see him in Marvel. I'm thinking, good for you. And it's the same with uh, Richard Ayoade. Like he did a film with Ben Stiller. I think it was Neighbourhood Watch. Not the best film in the world, but I saw it because I wanted to see him succeed. And, you know, he's a very funny man. And to see him up there with people like uh, Ben Stiller and uh, Ferris Bueller, I can't remember, Matthew Broderick, that's his name. I felt really happy because I felt he deserved it. Uh, They've had more success than I think Jen has. You don't see her in as much, which I think is a shame. If you look at her IMDb, her her name is uh, Catherine Parkinson. She does play in English TV, but but like you're saying, the other guys have reached more international type type roles. Yes. Richard Iwade, I assume I don't know the guy. 
but I kind of assume he's probably kind of a nerd in real life and has par- yeah. parlayed that into this persona that people just can't get enough of. And for him to voice a droid on the Mandalorian was probably like a huge deal personally for him. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't, but I bet it was. He's definitely a very intelligent man. And I think, you know, he does a lot of quiz shows in the UK as well. We have a big fat quiz of the year where, you know, they comment on the politics TV shows and his wit is so dry uh he's a very intelligent man i think and it's weird when you hear him speaking in his normal voice compared to his moss voice Mm, yeah moss is very nasal yeah but i think it is so true to who he is it's a very amplified version of what people maybe expect him to be like but he is incredibly intelligent you know he's very well respected in the uk i think because he is a clever comedian I don't know why YouTube doesn't make any effort to take down the Big Fat Quiz Show, but if you go and check it out on YouTube, you can find clips or episodes of various legal forms, and <laughs> <laughs> and and I can I can attest that you, they'll pair up Richard with one of the IT crowd's guest stars, uh, Noel Fielding, quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And those two uh, usually have a have a pretty good time. What's the name of the the host? You're gonna say his name, and I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, that's his name." Um, Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr. Who, if you see Jimmy normally, he has a very biting wit. He's kind of toned down on on Big Fat uh, Quiz Show because I, I mean, I, there has to be room for the other comedians to produce. Yes. <laughs> but all around, it is super hilarious television. Big Fat Quiz is kind of like a springboard platform because a few years ago, very famously in the UK, you had uh, Jack Whitehall and James Corden as a team. And both have achieved a bigger level of success in the years since you know james corden is famously in everything right now and (laughs) jack whitehall was in jungle cruise and big fat quiz has been something that is a a springboard for a lot of you know very talented comedians i think i've seen some clips on there that that are just kind of a master class in comedy but we're not here to talk about big fat quiz show we are here to talk about it crowd as i said the setup is that the these two men form the it squad <laughs> of random industries it's sort of like a i don't know any any other sitcom that uses a profession as its backdrop where you never see them do their thing or you very, <laughs> very infrequently see them do their thing. Um, oh, yeah. Somehow Roy draws the shortest straw most of the time. He has he has this phrase that he uses in every – now, I mean, I personally am kind of the IT nerd in my own <laughs> sphere. Um, I don't work in IT. It's just, you know, I've been using computers since I was single-digit age, and so I kind of – just have an affinity for them um, without necessarily a, a huge technical understanding or background. So the um, have you tried turning it off and back on again phrase, I use that probably every time I help somebody. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's my first go-to. If something doesn't work, I, I 
before I, I actually came on to talk with you, I had to reset the internet and I just joked with Drew, my co-host. It's like, I've got to turn it off and on again and laughed because what are we talking about? It's only appropriate. <laughs> exactly. We will come back. If you are not familiar with the format of this show, we will cover the show's general details and render our verdict on whether or not we would recommend it to others before we go on and talk about specific uh, show events that we feel are just too juicy to not talk with another fan about. Danny just mentioned one. <laughs> An Easter egg, if you will. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it is one of those great shows that, like you say, we have this backdrop. You know, they are the IT department at this fictional company. It, it is that fish out of water type dynamic. You've got Jen, who is instantly thrown in to a brand new setting and it's all about the misadventures that follow sometimes within Renham Industries and I think more successfully when outside of Renham Industries in the greater world yeah well we well, we start to follow them personally a little yes you know we don't do a deep dive into <laughs> to their characters but yeah you get a sense of where that what they're about and yeah so I think uh, when we mentioned what our favorite episodes are, mine has nothing to do with information technology. I, th I think it's the same with The Office. Some of the better episodes are outside of The Office because it just reminds you of how awkward it can be. And it's funnier, this, this comedy, these three people together, when they're in a big setting, it just, it feels more painful and you just can't, stop looking because you're just so interested to see how it's going to work out the show was created and uh every episode directed by graham linehan yes possibly the tallest irishman i've ever seen um <laughs> it lists, on imdb it lists him at six five um my my family comes from ireland and <laughs> we ain't close <laughs> <laughs> not even close but uh that's interesting to me i mean i don't know exactly about what went into different aspects of creating the show but is it the uh fact that roy is irish plays in a little bit here and there just i think if you're quick on picking up some some details you might get where where people do mention his irishness where no one else mentions anyone else's background ever yes and i do wonder if roy becomes that insert character that maybe there is more of graham linhan in roy's character than anyone else it's always interesting to see where you know the, the writers behind work come from i, I think it crowd's difficult there's no main character no. But it feels like Roy is the centre of the most misadventures. Like if you went episode by episode and thought, who's this episode most heavy on? It probably is Roy, which I think comes from the writing. I went and looked at Graham's credits and I was interested to see that one of my father's favourite shows, a show called Father Ted, is credited <laughs> to Graham. Yes. Which is, again, much older than this show. And he has a steady diet of putting out television. Um, not all of it makes it across to, to American audiences, or at least not with any volume. But that's yeah. not, a, not a knock on him at all. It's just, you know, he's... 
Works at home. Everybody does. So <laughs> British comedy is so dry sometimes that it doesn't always translate in the same way, you know, American comedy doesn't always translate. And it is a, some things just stand up and are truly like iconic. Look at the Monty Python stuff. Some things just work and there are some things that don't. And it, it's always amazing to see what does make it. His latest show was something called Motherland, but I am not familiar with Motherland. No, the only other show he's done that I know I have watched is Black Books. And that has Bill Bailey in it. That's a show I've watched years ago. I don't think ever reached the heights of the IT crowd, but similar concept in the terms of they run a bookshop. Never really is relevant again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the formula works, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if you find something that works for you, stick to it. You know, Black Book says, you know, three key characters as well two male one female you know Uh, and i think black books was pre-it crowd he maybe didn't get the formula right with that one he moved on tried it with it crowd to a lot more success i think i think you know we've talked about noel fielding noel fielding for me he is like cameo but i would say other than matt berry Noel Fielding shows up quite a bit. And what's interesting is he was part of a show on BBC called The Mighty Boosh. He's had a huge level of success as well. But it's interesting because Richard Ayoade and Matt Berry were also characters and quite prominent characters on Mighty Boosh. So it felt like almost a trade for each other that Noel Fielding would do some work over here on it crowd and then in return richard ayoade and matt berry would go do stuff with the mighty boosh i've never watched the mighty boosh but it sounds like maybe i should give it a a shot definitely worth a shot it's very very surreal but also follows that kind of sitcom route it's one of those that i think they, they did the right thing and they ended strong there's only three seasons and they ended when there was an appetite for more as opposed to keep going well past its best by date and is remembered fondly and not, oh, well, they should have packed it in, you know, after season five. Kind of like The Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. A lot of these actors collaborated early in their careers on a show that no one's heard of that I uh, adore called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Have you ever watched that? I have heard of it, but I have never actually seen it. In the U.S. on the Peacock Network, they have added it as just recent content. It's it's only uh, six episodes, I think, and um, it's a very high concept show. In that, it's <laughs> it's about this horror writer named Garth Marenghi, who produced a television show in the '80s about. A, you know, a doctor and his other doctor friends who um, go on these wild misadventures and that have nothing to do with the medical industry at all. And, <laughs> and, and so every episode is framed by this character, Garth Marenghi, explaining how he kind of got the screw job by the BBC because they never really released his show after they made it. And, um, but now they need it. He'll, he'll do these intros and these interviews with the actors and then show the show. 
it's super funny. It's got uh, Matthew Holness is the is Garth, but then Richard Ayoade is is an is one of the actors. And then Matthew Barry is um is is another one of the actors. Oh, I'll have to check that out. That sounds great. It's it's memorable <laughs> and. <laughs> Like I said, super high concept in that, you know, it's kind of a show within a show. So you got, you have actors portraying actors portraying 80s avatars of 80sness. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, like caricatures of what we would have expected from products in the 80s. Exactly. You know, just this, this, things blow up for no reason or just terrible effects, you know, things on wires. And, and it's just very corny, but, but, treated super seriously by the characters in the show it's 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 only six episodes it's it's might be worth checking out oh definitely one of the things the it crowd that i actually on re-watching it i was far more like oh wow this person did it so there's people that you know i've become more aware of you know since they were first in the it crowd so for instance benedict wong who is wong in the mcu watching one of the episodes and I thought oh great he's in it that was quite nice that was a surprise uh, you got peter serafinovich i think that's how you say his name um who again has been in a few uh mcu properties but there is no one else who is kind of as recurring you know that shows up again and again that you'd really recognize it is really built on the backs of these you know three or four main characters in terms of the uh, production um style or or anything like that it, it seems very conventional to me yeah it is very much that kind of and, and and you have the odd shot and the odd moment where they go outdoors, but when they are inside, it's definitely that kind of three-wall audience watch something being filmed. Very traditional kind of sitcom experience, I'd say. Recently, my wife and I rewatched the pilot, and it seems like the pilot might have been shot maybe a little separately because there was a little more set. Uh, there's a hallway yes. outside the room. <laughs> where they where they live (laughs) and then the the their office was quite a bit more populated with junk than later Um, yes yeah (laughs) oh that when jen is walking down the hall and she opens the door and the man's using the bathroom that was (laughs) it is a show that is just filled with these fantastic visual gags and you know like for me the setup of the office itself like the evolution over its 25 episodes that you might see uh references to pop culture they'll add posters um i'm pretty certain there is a v mask one of the guy fawkes masks from v for vendetta that's quite prominent in one of the episodes as well it's quite nice that it does grow with time that it reacts to what has happened pre-filming those seasons yeah, well, you have to have a keen eye to look at the posters or the various things in the background or on their desks to, to notice yeah. that stuff. The show has managed to, to maintain some level of popularity. There's uh, several um, IT crowd um, animated GIFs that that you can use on, on Twitter or wherever you use animated GIFs for <laughs> the, the, I'm thinking of the one with uh, Moss pulling the popcorn out from the side of his desk. Yeah. That's one of my favorite ones. I use that far more than I should. I th- that it is a very quotable show and it, 
I think GIFs fit this show perfectly because of its subject nature. They've also got the really great like 8-bit style credit sequence. It just it knows what it wants to be. There's a really good one of Jen with Aunt Irma that I use that gift quite a lot. That That's one of my favourite gifts if someone's uh, annoyed me a little bit. <laughs> risky, risky. That's funny. <laughs> if the listener can't tell at this point, my personal feelings on this uh, show is that I, I love it and would easily recommend it to almost anybody unless they were just flat out well-known they just don't get British humor. Um, yeah. that, then I wouldn't bother with them. <laughs> but uh, almost anybody else, I would say, give it a shot. What about you, Danny? I agree. I think it's one of those shows that rewatching it now, the last time I watched it in 2019, I still have an amazing time watching it. I think there are some amazing visual gags and some of the stories are fantastic and still hold up you know things that were relevant in 2006 i think still in 2021 work my one thing that watching it from (laughs) from the past few weeks some of the jokes would not work if it was a show being released today and i think it's definitely one of those those shows you have to appreciate was of its time yeah I will fully say I recommend watching this show, but I think you've got to go into it and be aware that there will be some jokes that are a little bit transphobic. And there'll be some jokes that, especially with the Me Too movement, do make you uncomfortable. But I think they they, they, they come from the position of a character that is encoded as the villain. You know, it's just watching it being mindful that it is of its day yeah. We can still laugh at other aspects of it, but we just have to recognise that the humour is still great, but some of it just hasn't quite lasted the way everything else does, if that makes sense. Well, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There are a few jokes where homosexuality in and of itself is the butt of the joke. What you're saying about the jokes being of their time, let that just stand as a, as kind of a landmark of, of the... Of the ground covered over a relatively short amount of time in terms of tolerance yeah that was an okay joke only 10 15 years ago um you know for a lot of people it makes your stomach hurt a little bit that you are laughing (laughs) yeah and there's definitely i think you've just got to go into it and accept that yes it is a heavily flawed show at times but it is still a really fun show when it gets the ageless comedy that stands that test of time yeah yeah, that, that's that's a fair uh, caveat to prospective viewers. Yeah. My particular favorite episode, I don't think it has any problematic, I love that word, problematic um, <laughs> content, though. Mine is the one where Moss gets on to Countdown. Everything, everything about that episode builds to some amazing jokes. That's actually the episode that Benedict Wong is in. So I watched that one last night and I was like, oh, that's very cool. It is a fantastic episode, that one. I was going to ask, like, do you have a version of Countdown in the States or would that episode maybe not land? We have had game shows, but we have mostly quiz shows, not not so much 
Scrabble <laughs> or spelling yeah. type type shows. So yeah, we don't have an equivalent to countdown. So the terminology like winning the teapot and all that kind of stuff, you just got to kind of go with the context clues and and be like, yeah. well, that's obviously, you know, a big prize. <laughs> and and uh, people are familiar enough with the show, like when they're playing Street Countdown <laughs> at, yes. at, at the end, uh, that they know the the jingle or whatever the, 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 the song is. And they can do it all just uh, with their voices. Acapella. Yeah, because that is a real show in the UK. And I think one of the great things, if you're watching outside the UK, from my perspective, is it looks silly enough that you'd accept it as a game but it is an actual show and i love the fact that you know for a british viewer everyone whether you watch countdown or not you are familiar with it so it is quite nice to blend that realism with it do you have a favorite i think that one is up there i think it is absolutely incredible i really like friend face as an episode I think that one for me is, again, one that works. There's some really nice pop culture references. I do really like the work trip. That's one that rewatching it, I still think is funny, but you've got to kind of accept the humor of its age. Mm hmm. I think Friend Face is fantastic. That one I really like. Oh, there's so many. There are so many good episodes. It's difficult to pick a favorite one. Friend Face in particular has some rapid fire commentary on like commercialism, I guess, you know, like the cuke and. <laughs> yeah, like the ads, you know, the, the product placement in it is it's so over the top, but you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Or you remember when you first got onto Facebook and how you were absorbed by by it for a couple of days, exactly the same way that they are in the show with Friend Face. And then, of course, leading to the, the crazy ending with the Joker woman and all that. <laughs> That's exactly... The Joker woman is one of my favourite reveals because you've got this joke that she cries, she looks like the Joker, and you think, he's just exaggerating. It can't be real. And then you have that visual gag and she does. It, she absolutely does. And it all culminates to this big chaotic uh, scene at a reunion. And you just, it, it, it's so brilliant. Every joke in that episode leads us so well to that final bit at the end. Moss has to portray that he is Jen's husband and all the outlandish stuff that he says about like their their kids. Uh, what is it? Zenith and, and Quasar. Quasar. <laughs> My oh my favorite God. bit is that he says he's a professional tennis player and somebody asks, are you seeded? And he says, well, that's a rather personal question. And I just, <laughs> it just, it, it's one that makes me laugh so much. There's so many good ones. That one for me is an absolute highlight because even the opening, like you get an advert for friend face and it really is just mocking that social media culture that it just, everything about it works. There are certain aspects of Moss that you find yourself kind of relating to or 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 appreciating even just in in tiny sound bites like we were texting to get get ready for the the show today we we had sort of a a behind the scenes uh, misadventure <laughs> <We did. laughs> Co coordinating with um timing due to um 
this, that, and the other. And uh, it reminded me of Moss uh, saying, a happy door is a closed door. Yeah. And and uh, we, this is London, <laughs> Jen. It's not going to be cake. And if it is cake, it's going to be full of dog poo and knives. <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, <laughs> there's so much moss, I think, in everyone. Like, it's almost like we want to be Roy, but we know we're moss. It just makes me laugh. And there's such like an innocence to Moss as well. Like he's so unassuming. He just comes, works. I don't know what he does when he gets home. I can only assume he plugs himself into his USB, but there's just such a charm to him because he's so naive and sweet. I bet he plays a lot of games. Remember there's that episode where he has that entire like flight simulator setup that he takes to a park bench. <laughs> yep. I love that. And there's a, a fantastic, it, I don't think it hits the community episode levels, but a, a lovely D and D reference, a whole episode that kind of culminates with Moss as a, as a dungeon master, which is again, something that me and, you know, my group of friends, we reference so much. Oh Yeah. <laughs> that episode is perfect. It's, it's it's called Jen the Fredo, and uh, and the way Jen does the Fredo routine with Roy, you know, pulling him away from the table, and then uh, the guys playing out their characters around the table, even though they didn't want to. Oh man, that, that and getting so into it. But I just think that ending, you know, it's a you, you've got this fantastic way to get closure through this role-playing game. And it's so genuine and heartfelt and it you, you're laughing at the same time. It just, it's a really great culmination again in an episode long arc. You don't think it's going anywhere. And then these two different stories meet and it's so brilliant. When you look at say Richard Iwate's career, the IT crowd wasn't necessarily overly early but he hadn't been he kind of jumped into acting right away in like 2004 with dark place and then this started in 2006 and he has several credits in between but it's still his career as an actor was very young and he was still more i think leaning towards stuff like writing and you know yes that kind of thing so the idea that he could pull off this this complete shift in in what you know, his delivery needed to be, he's always very straight in how he, how he delivers stuff, but this was dramatic as opposed to just being dryly witty, which is what he normally is. Yeah. Yeah, There's definitely more to him in this. Very, very fine uh, episode. I don't know that there's one that I skip when, when I go back and, and watch. I don't think there's whole episodes I skip, but there are subplots within episodes that I don't like which is a, a weird because it the other rest of the episodes you got an a plot and a b plot and the a plot is fantastic and then you get the b plot which is just kind of meh and i think that the biggest meh b plot for me is jen's storyline in moss and the german where you have this weird like soviet russia joke oh yeah 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 the smoking right Yes. And for me, that it's not the whole episode. It's a very small part of an otherwise amazing episode. I think for me, just the joke goes on a little bit too long and it's not that funny. Like, But I, I'm looking at the list again, you know, and I've watched 
everything, you know, over the past few weeks, there's not one I felt like I had to skip. There wasn't one that felt like a, an episode that you could skip and know that you've not missed anything. There was something funny and worth watching in everything. I tell you which one I actually I I would skip. Okay. Maybe is Renum versus Renum. That the last episode of season four. Remind me what that one is. So that's um, where Douglas's ex-wife shows up, and it's it's all about this divorce process for it. Yeah, yeah, and Jen is uh, somehow representing him in court. Yes, and he makes his own suit. <laughs> he does, and there were some lovely moments in it. But I think the reason for it is that season they use that set. I think three times by the time we get to this, so they use the courtroom set three times before we get to this episode. So by the time it gets here, it's just kind of like, had you run out of ideas? And it is the penultimate episode of the IT crowd. You didn't have another episode for three years at this point. And I would do rewatches uh, and that would be the last episode there. And it's just kind of like a flat ending. It doesn't feel satisfying. And I think it's more bearable now that we do have the season five one-off special episode to end the series. But I just think it's it's one of the weaker episodes overall. I think you're right. I, I hadn't thought about it before. That episode with the wife coming out of nowhere, Douglas having had various sexual misadventures leading up to that point, it feels like we had gotten a lot of Douglas up to that mm. point. And the, I mean, it was kind of funny getting the callback to the massage episode with Roy taking the yes. stand. And <laughs> that might have been the redeeming quality of going back to court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one laugh because <laughs> it is the same one and it is just yeah when you get the reference to the fact that he was here you know a few weeks ago going through his own court process but it just in a show that i think does so much and doesn't necessarily always call back and when it does call back it's it's a strong strong call back it felt lazy here because it was within like two weeks of each other or two episodes of each other one particularly good callback that we mentioned earlier but didn't expand on was uh jen and the internet um yes <laughs> and that episode is got so it, i think that feature that's the one that features the humor that could be you know construed as transphobic yes or you could just take it from the point of view of a man that just is not there yet in terms of accepting people and ex and look at it like, well, he might feel these ways and then get into a fist fight with that person. Yeah. <laughs> it is an episode that was actually pulled from circulation. Oh, really? I didn't the read UK. Yeah, it's one that has actually been pulled. Um, I watched it on on Netflix, so I can watch it on Netflix, but I don't think you can watch it on the Channel 4 streaming service, which, you know, is amazing because the Channel 4 streaming service is free and you get so much good shows. This one is one that has been pulled partly because of accusations of transphobia, but also because of some of Graham Lennon's tweets that are controversial about the trans community. And it's such a shame because this episode has one of the best jokes, but the B plot with, with Douglas dating a woman who 
is trans and the, the, is the butt of the joke. It's such a shame. Like if you skip all the Douglas stuff this episode, you have an absolutely incredible episode because the joke about the internet is the best joke in the IT crowd, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That Jen has no idea that they're lying, that they have to get permission from Stephen Hawking to let her borrow it, that they have to put it back on the top of Big Ben when they're done. <laughs> and, it, and it's so much fun because oh, my. Jen deserves to be the butt of this joke. And the way the episode builds, you know how this joke is going to go. And then it goes a completely different way. And it's so fun because of it. If you could replace that Douglas story with something else that still resulted in the way that it ends with the internet being shattered and the people you know going crazy as a result uh the show would probably be that episode would be redeemed uh, and maybe airable again um back oh, yeah. in the uk definitely because and, and it is a shame you know um i was watching it with drew and you know drew is so passionate on on lgbtq plus community and she was like, it's such a shame because this is a joke I like. The fact that this 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 joke is with all the rest of this stuff is such a shame. But it is, you know, if you get that episode, the internet, fast forward through all the, the Douglas stuff, watch the rest of the episode, and you will have one of the best jokes in any sitcom ever. At best, it helps that Douglas is, is set up as a piece of shit. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, abs- absolutely. The good thing is we know that Douglas is a villain, and we know that right. Douglas is. It's not like, and, and if this was coming from Roy Moss or Jen, it would really be tough to swallow. I think. I think the worst bit about it is it's when you have the canned laughter over top of it, mm-hmm. and that just makes it uncomfortable. So you have this 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 trans woman saying, "I used to be a man," and then you have pause. And the audience laughter before anything else is said. And you're just like, ah, right. But if you got rid of the canned laughter, yeah, it's very clear that he's the villain in it. It's just, it's icky. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Right. Well, you mentioned uh, the work trip earlier. My own family has uh, members of the special needs community in it. And so we, we always get a little bit of our, the, the hair on the back of our neck goes up when people with disabilities are involved with being the butt of the joke. Yes. Well, this is the thing with the workouting. Obviously, yes, you know, the, the joke is the disability. However, I'm pretty certain I read somewhere in doing kind of like research to talk to you about it, that one of the writers of the IT crowd is in a wheelchair himself and is in this episode. So... The fact that the joke comes from him makes it feel a lot more palatable. Mm. It's not like it's someone who is fully capable making fun at disabled people's experiences. It comes from somebody who actually is living that lifestyle, you know, who who, who is themselves disabled and they're making these jokes. It feels a lot easier to cope with. But like you say, it is one of those ones that, can come across uncomfortable again in 2021 you know the joke of you know chris o'dowd pretending to be disabled and uh you you do have it all culminate again with somebody laughing at him for it and 
yeah, you do have to kind of accept these things sometimes that they are a relic of a bygone era. Cause that, that one's a very early episode. That's like 2007, 2008. Yeah. Um, and comedy has changed a lot since then. When I watch the workouting, I, I turn off my, my hackles, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> going in because I can accept that Roy is a, is a character whose, whose life is not necessarily turning out the way that he would have written for himself. But he had he never really took the time to plan anything out. So he gets stuck in these situations that he can't think of a better way out. And this is just one of those examples of Roy's life going the way that it's going. Um, yeah. And so I don't hold it necessarily against him in the, in the, in the show. Maybe that's overthinking it because I want to like the show in, in, all, in totality, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. I think there's a lot of this show that if you are younger and not as educated on the world, it's funny. But the more you grow up and the more you understand the world around you, it, you do have to make those excuses. And, and there's been a lot of it with a lot of old media in recent years, you know, do we just pull episodes from circulation? Do we put disclaimers before them? What is right? What is wrong with this censorship? You know, there's a lot of Disney uh, films on Disney Plus that have a disclaimer before you're allowed to watch it. I, I like the idea that there is a forewarning beforehand that says we have learned from this. The representations in what you're about to watch are not acceptable now and they shouldn't have been acceptable then. But be warned going into it. Is that enough? You know, as a straight white male, I don't know if it's my place to say, but like you say, when you have something that you do love and 80% of it, 90% of it is so well done and so positive, can you, you know, can you take the good with the bad? I guess as long as you acknowledge the bad, like we're doing, that's enough because you're saying this isn't good and that shouldn't be allowed. I agree. I totally agree. I'd rather have the media and let me make my own decision than just have it taken away yeah. by, by some other force or hand. The disclaimers, I'm not totally so sure that's necessarily going to work exactly, um, as, but it's the, probably the best they can do because I'd rather them do that than edit you know, gone with the wind. How are you going to edit gone with the wind? Yeah, for breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's. I'm sure with your own podcast covering musicals, the vast majority of musicals that people are familiar with came out <laughs> when values were different. Uh <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. We recently covered Miss Saigon and we had to talk about um the original cast and in the original cast, you've got the actor who plays Elizabeth Swan's dad in um Pirates of the Caribbean cast as an Asian man and he had to wear prosthetics and we, you know, it's difficult. We try and always watch as modern as possible, but there are some with the Rogers and Hammerstein for instance, you have to watch them and you have to accept that that's what was acceptable when they were writing their musicals and those films were being produced and they are part of our history and how are we going to learn if we don't learn from the history like you say i think it's got to come down to you as a viewer being educated knowing what you're watching and making the choice for yourself and if it's something you think you're uncomfortable with it don't watch it. And right. I think that's the best way to move on with it as opposed to watch it and complain about it, knowing that you were going to dislike it anyway. 
from the point of view of the content creators, I would imagine at least maybe not the creators, but the people paying for the content, that the temptation would be to make the most sanitized, um, inoffensive crap possible because you, you know, you never know who you're going to offend right now. Yeah. Which as a consumer of entertainment, I don't want that. I'm not going to watch that. If I am watching that currently, I hope I know better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it is difficult. You don't want to lose your, your choice from something. You know, there should always be choice. Like there are always going to be controversial opinions out there and something that is perfectly acceptable here today what will be controversial eventually but you know i think you've just got to you've got to be a smart consumer of media you know in, in the same way you'd be a smart consumer of anything else you buy like you say it's as a content creator it's, it's certainly something you'd be mindful of because you want to make something that is for everyone but it is difficult you you, you are fully aware of the things you you have to be supportive of uh i don't envy people trying to create content right now that's for certain uh it, it's always been tough but now in terms of social backlash and whether or not the rest of your career is at stake based on this one sentence that you have an actor say or, or something like that super scary for them i don't envy that role uh, makes me just perfectly happy to be a podcaster commenting on <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> completely agree with you <laughs> Well, I think we've covered this show pretty well. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave a listener with? I think as a show, if this is something you've never watched before, you are going to have a great time. You know, it's a very low investment show. There are 25 episodes. They're about 21 minutes a pop with the final episode being 47 minutes. There are some fantastic jokes that if you watch with a group of friends, you will very quickly find quotes that quickly embed themselves in your day-to-day -day life you know be it have you tried turning it off and on again to did you see that ludicrous display last night <laughs> we didn't even talk about proper men <laughs> no which is a fantastic episode in itself one of the, one of the things I, I have to talk about you know there are some episodes have the most brilliant cold opens and if you watch the show from start to finish there will be the most brilliant callback to a an episode in season two that you've forgotten about that gets called back in season four yeah and like the writing on the show is clever uh, there's a joke about ringing the emergency services and it calls back to an earlier joke and it, it is just a very clever show that when the writing is there it, it just it culminates brilliantly and you will have 20 minutes of great comedy did they change the the emergency services number in england at some point no it was just like an absolute I, what they did is they introduced a new number for em, like non-emergencies so you ring 999 if it's an emergency uh -huh. if um it's a non-emergency you ring 101 <laughs> so oh, okay. you know kind of different metrics and they just became this big parody of it and i that jingle sticks in my head <laughs> I can't remember the number sequence, but I can remember the tune. <laughs> oh, I do. It, it it has been in my head since 2008 when that episode launched. And again, I will just turn to some of my friends and I'll start singing 0118 and, and do the rest of it. And it becomes a joint thing. I think this show is a it is a communal thing to watch more than anything else you know i watch this with my mum as well at times and there'll be things i can say to my mum, and she will know what i'm referencing 
if you watch this as a secular experience, I don't think you'll have the same joy of it. This is one that you need somebody to be able to talk to about it. A shared joke is always always better than just kind of <laughs> chuckling to yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My wife, Caroline, who you have spoken with in the past, she admits that she is prefers the broader American humor than than the than the drier uh, British humor, but she will turn on the IT crowd. <laughs> so yeah, it even hooked her. There are some shows that you go into knowing it's a commitment. This one is not. You could be done with it in two or three days at most uh, in terms of a binge. And I think that's that's something that is really in its favour. You will want to watch another episode very, very quickly. And it is, you know, it's it's a very easy show to just watch and laugh and enjoy. I can't put it any better than that. Yeah, so that was our recommendation, our our couldn't love it any more than we do evaluation of the IT crowd available in, I guess, both, uh, both of our markets on Netflix. It's been there for a long time. I don't know if it, if, if it's one of those that they'll ever take down or, or what, um, I hope they don't. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I think, yeah, more people need to go and watch this show. Yeah, go check it out and you'll you'll fall in love with the characters and the actors and want to follow them up with their future projects. Um, just based on Chris O'Dowd being in it, I went and watched the show on HBO, Family Tree. Back in 2013, it was a single season show that HBO produced about an Irishman who wanted to sort out some of his family tree and it's him going on these adventures with his sister played by a comedian named Nina Conti. Do you know her? No, but I'm going to have to check this show out because it's not one I've heard of before. She's got a quirk wherein she wears a monkey puppet on her hand and treats the monkey as, as a, as a person and everyone else is just sort of forced to deal with the fact that she is this way. But it's it's uh, it's not slapstick and it's not anything like that. It's it is it's funny, just not as funny as the IT crowd. But Caroline and I did finish. It does have some American actors like Michael McKean and Ed Bakley Jr.'s in it. Um, Excellent. Fred Willard's in it. Yeah, but Nina Conti, she's a comedian and you can look her up on YouTube and her whole act is based around this monkey. Somehow they worked it into the show, him, her being his, his sister. But yeah, oh, check it out on fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But just him being in it, he's on the poster for the show as I was just looking through things to watch on HBO and just him being in it was enough for me to want to watch it. Yeah. It, what it is, it's like Bridesmaids for me. Love that film. But at the time I did not know any of, you know, the other actors in Bridesmaids, but I saw Chris O'Dowd was attached to it and I thought, right. I've never seen him in a film before. I want to see this because I, I really like him. And, you know, his his film career has, has grown from there, I think. And, yeah, it is a show that you will root for these these actors. Like, when you see them in other media, you feel really happy to see them there because it just, they seem so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they're not always playing nice people, like, uh, yeah. like Laszlo in What We Do in the Shadows. Not a super great guy, but super funny. Uh, for Matt Berry. Yeah. Um, anyway, we could probably go on all the rest of the day talking about 
this show and this these actors but i think i think everybody listening at this point knows we're in favor of them dropping what they're doing and watching this show as soon as they can absolutely finish this episode log on to netflix great time guaranteed this has been paul with pod clubhouse and i'm danny from it's a musical podcast where would people find you and your podcast so we are over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as um, anywhere you can find good uh, podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod, where we do our best to post as much musical-based content as possible. If that's your bag, then you couldn't do better than the It's a Musical Podcast. Thanks for joining me today, Danny. Uh, it took a couple days to get going, but I'm glad we made the effort. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back in the clubhouse again. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.